What's going on, guys? Episode 25 of MacBook Pro. I know, I know you guys have been waiting so patiently. Thank you for that and not putting so much pressure on me. I wish I could tell you guys that the reason it's taken me nine days to get this new episode out is that very exciting things have been happening. Um, I, you know, for one example, I wish I could tell you that I won a, a sweepstakes for a cruise that did not happen. It would also be cool if like a distant cousin of mine came to visit me in Berlin because they were laying low after committing a heinous crime that they didn't want to tell me about and I didn't want to ask out of fear that they would do whatever they did to the other person to me. That also did not happen. Uh, it would also be cool if Noodle learned how to talk. Noodle's my dog. It would also be cool if she had learned how to talk. That probably would have gotten old after about two hours because holy shit, I know she would be so talkative. She never barks, which is nice, but I have a feeling that she would talk like more than me. She'd probably have her own podcast, like Noodles Corner or something. Um, yeah, none of that happened. I actually don't even know what's happened over the past nine days. I, I think the sun came out at some point like seven or eight days ago. So that had a huge influence on my attitude, my behavior, just my general well-being. Um, it's been like six months in Berlin without seeing it. So you better believe it has been really nice to have the rays of the sun shining on my beautiful balcony and to be going outside and, and doing fun stuff. So yeah. Um, I think I'm going to try to keep today's episode relatively short. At least I'll try not to ramble too much. Because now that, you know, all of my loyal fans and critics expect so much of this podcast, I just have to keep doing things that will keep my life interesting so that I'll have stories to tell. Because it feels like I've almost run out of stories. Okay, that's not true, but... I'm definitely at the point now where I have to be more selective with the stories that I tell so that I can, um, you know, still have something to write about in my autobiography. Anyway, I decided to do a thing the other day. Uh, if you know me personally or you've listened to certain episodes of this podcast, then you will know that I am an ultra marathon runner. Just got started last year. I ran my first ultra marathon in, I think it was the first week of March, 2022. And for those of you that don't know, an ultra marathon is any distance longer than a normal marathon. So anything that's longer than I think 46 kilometers, no, 42 kilometers and 26 miles is technically considered an ultra marathon. Um, normally though, when people refer to ultra marathons, they're normally talking about distances around 127 kilometers or 128 and above. That's just pretty standard, I would say. Um, but it obviously depends on, yeah, who's talking, like who you're listening to. I like a lot of endurance runners, um, like Courtney DeWalter and Rich Roll. So, you know, those, and, you know, obviously, you have a, a lot of a lot of other people in that space, like David Goggins, Nick Bear, whatever. They they're normally running very long races. I think Courtney DeWalter has run races that are like 250 miles, if not longer. And same with David Goggins, and it's just it's really really crazy. But until you do it, um, you'll probably look at those people like they're just absolute psychopaths. And you wouldn't be wrong. They are definitely absolute psychopaths, but I think I might also be a psychopath. So it's kind of, um, it's like, uh, I feel like with my people, of course, I'm still a beginner at ultras and I'm now finally getting back into it. 
Last year, I attempted, uh, well, actually, I signed up for two races. One was 128 kilometers with um, a ton of elevation. I actually had the elevation up here uh, before. So 7,000 meters of positive elevation and 128 kilometers. I finished that race in 30 hours. Then I had another race, which I attempted. Um, I actually am trying to pull up the information now because, you know, I don't, I don't really prepare for this podcast. And uh, the second one I did not finish, which was quite a shame for me. I was really looking forward to it, but in all honesty, I had signed up for it and it was three months after my first one ever, (laughs) and it was 167 kilometers. So it was really like a huge jump, although I I really loved it. So the one in, the, the second one that I did was 166 kilometers. I only made it 88 kilometers. And in terms of height, it's 7,000 meters of positive elevation. So pretty much the same as the other race, just spread out over a longer distance. And for that race, uh, it was in Lofoden, Norway. I went there with my then girlfriend. It was a really incredible experience for me. It was just such an adventure. I mean, we, we took this boat. It's a it's an island chain off the coast of Norway. You guys should look it up. Lofoten, it's L-O-F-O-T-E-N. And we had to take a boat from a part of the island down to this like little this little fjord. And, you know, these breathtaking views were just incredible. Um I had like goosebumps on the way to the race. And so we disembark from the boat and immediately there's a giant mountain range that we have to climb. And so how it starts is you climb this mountain for probably like three or four hours. Um, I mean, across this mountain chain. And then you run along the beach and then you climb this other mountain on the beach and then you run again along a coastline and pretty much the entire race is like climb a mountain Um, descend the mountain while looking at the water, climb a mountain, descend the mountain while looking at the water, and then it's pretty much coastline the entire race. There are a couple parts where it's like the, you you have to cross over the middle of, of this like peninsula, but it's really not that, uh, not that, um, not that much, to be honest, you're always on the water. So it's cool. It, it was really an amazing experience for me. I met some interesting people and I kind of made this giant mistake that people always, or ultra runners always talk about avoiding. Uh, I did not run my own race, meaning I was trying to keep up with people because they were moving faster than me. Um, something that I did in my first race was that I was very patient. I was the last person in line on race, like at the start line. Um, That was actually because I was trying to find hand sanitizer at a store at 11.50 p.m. and the race starts at midnight. (laughs) Um, The 30 is a 30 hour race. And uh, yeah, that was kind of stupid of me, but I did make it to the race and I did just take my time even though everyone was in front of me. And eventually start passing people and I passed a lot of people. So I probably should have just learned that lesson you would have thought, but no, I wanted to be a bit of a hot shot and try to move fast in the beginning of the race. I didn't want to feel like a slow poke in front of those Norwegians. And what ended up happening was I passed quite a few people going up the mountain and regretted it immediately because, yeah, there was still so much left. So yeah, that was not fun. And, uh, the other day I was, I was kind of like thinking, you know, I, I kind of missed the feeling 
of signing up for ultras and having something to look forward to. I don't really think that I've been myself, um, or at least I haven't felt 100% like myself since my last relationship ended. And I think like a, a big reason for it was just, I had this feeling towards the end of my last relationship um, that maybe going for like maybe training for ultras and running and stuff was selfish, selfish of me because my, my ex felt like I wasn't able to dedicate enough of my attention to my dog. And she also had a dog and I would compare myself to her and see how good she was at taking care of her dog and how much time she gave him. And then I would think, damn, I really suck as a, as a dog dad. And I think it's happened to me after every relationship, you know, there are certain things that I'm turned off by uh, in relationships where I kind of just say that I don't want to do that thing again, because it reminds me of the other person or reminds me of a situation with that person. And, um, that definitely happened, um, after this last one. And it was, it was pretty shitty. I'm not going to lie because I love running and I really just like lost my, my drive to do it. And it's not, it's not her fault. Um, it's really nobody's fault. So to, so to speak, it's just an unfortunate, um, side effect, you know? because I kind of tend to shut down a bit um, after relationships end because I feel like I need to do a lot of work on myself. So the other day I was just thinking about how much I miss running ultra marathons and what did I do? I started looking them up and I found an ultra marathon that takes place in Berlin. And, uh, and I signed up for it. It is called the Berlin Mauerweg, like the Berlin Wallway. And it's a it's a race that goes the distance pretty much of the of where the Berlin Wall was and it follows that path. And it was uh I guess it was started, I don't even know, I want to say like 10 to 15 years ago but it is a 167 or 168 kilometers. The difference between this race and the one in Lofoden is that um, it's completely flat. So there's no elevation. And you might think, oh, that must mean that it's easier. Well, that is not the case. It's a different kind of hard. So I think it's... Uh, just going to be a lot of repetition, hitting the same muscles. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I've signed up for it, so there's no stopping me now. It is on August 12th in Berlin. And I think I have 30 hours to complete the race. But if I finish it in less than 24 hours, then I get a buckle, which is what they give you as a trophy at ultra marathons. It's literally a belt buckle and I do not have a buckle yet because I did not finish the race in Lofoden. So this would be my first one. I'm really, really excited for it. It's crazy how much I missed racing because yeah, it just consumed me last year. It became a huge part of my life. And, um, you know, now that I'm back into training and back into that mindset, I just love it. I just love it. I, I love the feeling of being alive and knowing that I'm working towards this, this event that has a very clear desired outcome. You, you don't really have too many things as an adult that have defined outcomes. You know, there, there are just certain, you might have a project at work, you might have a relationship, but it's, there is such a gray area um, of what good looks like, of what like a solid performance looks like. So it's nice to have something that's like very 
cut and dry. I either finish this race in 30 hours or I get disqualified. And I, I really enjoy that. So we shall see. I'm already thinking, you know, races ahead right now. I'm already thinking, okay, this is going to be so much fun to run this race. Um, but I'm like, okay, if I run this race in August, I might still be able to squeeze in another ultra marathon in December. But most ultra marathons that I found in Europe are mountain races. So this is like one of the only road races that I've seen so far that actually makes sense for me. Um, but the next one is probably going to be in February. I'm probably going to run the Trans Grand Canaria again because I really, really enjoyed that race. I mean, I fucking hated it. Don't get me wrong. I fucking hated parts of it, but the overall experience was incredible. And I know that I've done it once and I know if I do it once, I can do it again. And I just want to get a little bit faster. So yeah, that's something that I'm really excited about. And I'm thinking that I'm probably going to attempt low Foden again next year. Uh, I'm just in better shape than I was last year. I'm, I think an, a thing that's kind of underrated that, you know, not a lot of people talk about is just like your mental state um, going into a race. And with low Foden, I really did feel like things were on the fritz with my relationship. Uh, yeah, we, we'd gone into some pretty, some pretty big fights, I would say. Uh, well, not, not fights, but one big fight we got into, um, like a few days before the race. And that was like in my head for sure. And then there were like a few other things as well. And yeah, I don't, again, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not saying that things would have been different otherwise, but it is underrated how a positive mindset can really propel you forward. So next year, I'm definitely going to attempt those two races again, but I kind of want to go a little bit crazier than I did uh, last year. I'm thinking like in 2024, I want to run three or four major races. And yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good time. And by a really good time, I mean, it, there's going to be a lot of suffering, um, but maybe I can just give you an idea of, of what it means to have a good time in a race, like why people, why at least I decided that I wanted to continue running ultras. So I've had this conversation a few times. I feel pretty well prepared uh, to explain why I, why I run them and why I will continue running them. So the first thing is the people that run races, uh, it's a really welcoming community. It's just a lot of great people that are really passionate, that are interesting. They come from all walks of life, all different ages, all different body compositions. You know, like some people are, are old and fat. Some people are young and skinny. Some people are tall. Some people are short. Some people are, you know, uh, from Europe elsewhere it doesn't really matter you get to see all of these different people coming together to achieve their they're going on their own journeys essentially and they're all trying to finish the race and so you get to see them achieve greatness and it's it's a really amazing feeling like to feel like you're part of this this thing this event and you know, the, the training that goes with it, if you like running, which I do, then the training's not that bad. Um, in Berlin, it's not, it's not great because training for a, a trail race that actually has elevation is kind of limiting. You have a few different parks that actually have enough elevation to make it worthwhile but those parks don't have a ton of elevation. So you end up running the same trails over and over and over again. And there were a lot of times that I, I ran this one trail. It's uh, it's in Grunewald, which is a forest nearby. Well, that's the name of the forest at least, but it's also an area. And this one specific part of the forest is called Teufelsberg, which means like Devil's Mountain, I guess. And I'm pretty sure it's a man-made 
mountain, and it's where the spy tower is in Germany or in Berlin, which was used by the CIA, I think, during the Cold War. It's a really funky building. It's white. It looks like Epcot, I think is what it's called. Uh, that dome-looking thing at Disney, which I've never been to Disney, but yeah. Okay, I'm looking at a photo of Epcot. Um, it doesn't look, it's not big like that, but it is, it is like shaped like that at the top. It's like a tower with that at the top. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. I mean, the first couple times you go there to run, you do feel, I mean, I felt like I was kind of a, a bit of a, an explorer, kind of like a, an adventurer, if you will, because I went there sometimes at night too, which was cool with my headlamp on and my, wa and my, uh, my, my running sticks, I forget what you call them, trekking sticks. You know, those sticks that you see German tourists um, going down the sidewalk with, like those, except the ones that are made for ultra running. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool in the beginning. Um, but then I, after having spent like, one day I spent like six hours in that park just running. Um, and I've done that. I've, I've definitely spent like three, four hours multiple times in that park just going up the same fucking hill. It's like you do your hill repeats until you reach the amount of elevation that you need. So you're giving your muscles the um, exposure to that elevation. And then once you're done with your elevation goal, you still have a distance goal. So I used to, I think like the most that I would do is 22 miles or so, which... It's, it's a little bit shorter than a marathon, but, you know, I would just go through the, through the woods doing that um, with, with the elevation as well included. And then I would run home and it takes me like an hour and 10 minutes to get there while running and an hour and 10 minutes to get home. So, you know, sometimes I would spend two hours there, three hours there, um, four hours there and then run home. So when I said six hours, I meant total, not in that um, forest alone. But it's a really good feeling um, for me, at least. I really love running, just like strapping on the shoes, putting on um, my little running belt. It makes me look cute. And, you know, having my waters with me and my gels and whatever, and then just going out there. And it's funny because... I didn't realize how much of my life has been missing in a way. Like it feels like I went missing and all I had to show for my life over the past six months, to, six to eight months has just been like, you know, the, my appearance. Like I looked like myself, but I didn't feel like myself. Um, I started weightlifting like pretty heavily and I've always been into lifting weights, but it just got more intense during this period because I was just trying to compensate for that feeling, you know, of, of having accomplished something and getting that exercise in. And I love weightlifting. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my favorite things to do, but running is something that is extremely sacred to me. It's very special. And, uh, I'm just glad to have that back in my life. And so I think going forward, I'm going to try to keep training year round. And in the, in the winter months, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but Berlin is intolerable in the winter. So trying to get somewhere with elevation that's not freezing um, will be a fun challenge during the winter months. So maybe just going down to, down to Italy or maybe even somehow making my way to Greece, that would be ideal. Just spending like four or five months in Greece. Cause I would go to Portugal, but it's just the whole getting my dog there. That's really hard. And the same goes for Greece, but I think Greece might be more lenient with having a dog. I think Portugal might make me have paperwork that I have to bring, which I know wouldn't be like a big deal, but it just seems like it's such a big pain in the ass. So yeah. 
that is where things currently stand on that front. And when I try to explain to people why I enjoy doing it, so, you know, on one hand, as I mentioned, the community is amazing. Having a fixed goal is, it's really special because it just gives me a level of satisfaction that I don't think I can get from other, from most other things. Um, that binary, did I do it or did I not, is, a, is an amazing feeling. But the other thing too, it's, it, it puts you into this, into this really, it can put you into this really dark place that allows you to experience the full range of human emotion in a very short period of time. And, you know, even if you think about the distance of the race, like 30 hours, it's, it's a long time. Um, but it's a really short time to experience like all of these emotions. And then you have these micro moments where you experience like a ton of emotion, like an emotional range in an hour, in two hours, in three hours. So I'll, I'll walk you through some of the emotions. On the positive side, you have feelings of pride, of triumph, of greatness, of joy, of contentment, satisfaction. Um, you have love. I feel love when I when I run, like just a deep love and gratitude for the people in my life. Or sometimes even just people, like I'll, I'll pass somebody else that's running with me in one of these races and I'll just feel like a deep sense of gratitude for that person or just like happiness because you're just experiencing suffering with another person. And, and that's definitely um, not something to, to be taken lightly. And you have like a ton of other positive emotions. You know, sometimes you'll laugh, sometimes you'll, you'll daydream and you'll think about, you know, what life will be like when you're no longer running on your blistered and bloodied feet. And then the other side of the emotional spectrum, you'll have feelings of self-pity, disappointment, anger, sadness, frustration. You'll have a lot of pain. So like your body will physically hurt a lot. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that can be because you are going downhill and you stub your toe on a fucking rock and it feels like you've broken your toe and you are convinced that your foot is gushing blood. Other times you're going downhill and you fall. <laughs> um, I almost fell off of a cliff because like during my first race, because it was so uh, muddy and I was going downhill and I was stupidly, I took a phone call <laughs> and I almost fell off a fucking cliff to my death, which would have been an interesting story. And in my last race, in uh, in Lofoden, I should say, not my last race, um, but my last ultra, in the beginning of the race, when you climb up the, the mountain after you climb down the first one, there was snow at the top of the mountain, even though it was June, because in Lofoden, it's so far north that it's, you know, snow-capped mountains, even in the summer even though there's 24 hours of sunlight. And we, like the entire group that I was running with, we weren't like communicating, but we were close enough to each other where every time that the trail gets technical, meaning that the rocks are different sizes and shapes and there's different terrain and you have to be super careful, everyone slows down, everyone kind of bunches up a little bit. But the entire group lost track of where one of the flags were, uh, where one of the flags were, and where one of the flags was. And you follow the flags so that you stay on the trail. And if you, you know, get off the trail too much, you can get disqualified or penalized because you're breaking the course. Essentially, you're going outside of where they want you to run. But we couldn't find where the flag was. And so, at the top of the snow peaked mountain, I like looked down and the, um, this, it, it wasn't like extremely steep. It was, it was very steep, but it wasn't like so steep that if 
if you went down the way that I went, that you would have like immediately fallen off the side of the mountain. It was just more like snowboarding kind of. Um, and you know, there was like a lot of technical technicality and so I couldn't find the flag so I ended up just like jumping onto this slope essentially and then just putting my feet out like I had like I was riding a snowboard and just like snowboarding down my feet pretty much because it wasn't the entire distance but it was enough where I was able to like make pretty quick time and just couldn't find the flag and like that was such a cool feeling because I'm looking down and it's just snow in front of me and the sun is like on my face and I have my poles with me. So I'm kind of like skiing, I guess. Uh, and then the people behind me, um, I look up at them as I like reach like a, a little bit of a flat part and they're all like trying to do it as well. So we're all just like <laughs> snowboarding on our shoes down this little part of the mountain. And that was fun. But, you know, there's a lot of danger involved. Um, every person has one of these little GPS boxes. And if you press the box, it immediately summons a helicopter that will come pick you up if you're unable to keep going. And so it's no joke. I mean, people die in these races. People get really fucked up. Some people will break their leg, break their arm, um, freeze to death, there was one guy in a race that I heard about who got bitten by a rattlesnake and died, or he might've just been trail running and got bitten by a rattlesnake and died. Another guy got eaten by a bear and died. Well, he got eaten by a bear. So yeah, he died. Um, you're just out there with nature, right? So like, you're just on your own. You have other people around you, but it's not like nobody around you has like, I guess what I'm trying to say is nobody around you is going to be able to protect you. So even though you're around other people, if a, if a bear showed up, you better believe that everyone is going to run away because nobody wants to get eaten by a bear. So like you're kind of shit out of luck if the bear chooses you. Um, and if you get like seriously injured, I mean, we all have our like backpacks. They're like, they're just, you know, they're just packs essentially. They're designed to be lightweight to carry enough water and food. Um, to last until the next aid station. Uh, we all have to carry like very small first aid kits, but that's about it. And the rest of the time, you're just like on your own um, trying to get to the next aid station. And the aid station has volunteers who have a lot of energy and they have food and they have water and they're cheering you on. And every time that you see an aid station, it's like you're back in civilization, even though you might still be in the middle of nowhere. It's an incredible feeling. So, um, you know, the, the range of emotions and the amount of adventure is a huge draw for me of like why I enjoy running ultras. It's just something that I can't get from my day-to-day -day life. There's no substitute for that that I've been able to find yet. And so it explains why so many people who are addicts um, end up becoming trail runners and ultra marathoners because it's something that they can become obsessed with and then they get such dopamine rushes and such like highs from these races that they're kind of able to sometimes substitute one for one um, a drug addiction for ultra running. And so you do see a lot of people that or you do hear of a lot of people that are recovering addicts that do uh, ultra marathon running and people that were athletes in other sports. And it's just an incredible group of people um, that I've met so far through the running community. So yeah, that's why I do it. And I will say <laughs> the feelings that I get while I'm running an ultra marathon are overwhelmingly mm, negative, if you will, because in the first, I don't know, maybe in like the first hour, hour and a half, it's just, or maybe even the first three hours, it's super exciting. You know, you're just seeing like terrain that you haven't seen. You're seeing a trail that you've never been down. You know, everyone is so amped up from the anticipation of the race starting. 
and then you reach a, you definitely reach a point pretty early in the race where you're like okay that that is faded and now it's time to actually run this thing and i'm sure it varies depending on like the race and how important it is to you and a bunch of other factors like the weather and blah 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 but uh for me i think it lasted about four hours in the first race and about three hours in the second race and then i knew okay three hours down 27 hours to go <laughs> uh, so as you can imagine there are little periods of time that you get those those highs again whether it's like barely making a cutoff um, if you don't make a checkpoints by a certain time you get pulled out of the race so there's always that looming in the back of your mind or when you finally get to one of the aid stations and you have your backpack stored there it'll have all of the food that you put into your drop bag and maybe a change of clothes and anything else that you might need contained in that drop bag and that's something that you look forward to um definitely i mean i was talking about the veggie cheeseburgers that i had waiting for me i probably started talking about that like three or four hours into this race and there was still like eight hours or so until that drop bag came up and i was just like a little i felt like i was a little boy asking the other little boys and girls what they had in their lunch pal and their lunch pails you know like my mom packed me a veggie cheeseburger and what did your mom pack you and one of the guys is like i think i have a sandwich and another guy was like he's from South Africa. He's like, I have, uh, I have a beer. And the South African dude, he was in his fifties. Really just a quick shout out to this guy who will never, he'll never listen to this podcast, but quick shout out to him. His name's Brandon, uh, or Braden, Brandon. I think it's Brandon. This guy, <laughs> this guy was in his fifties. I think he had only beers packed in his, um, drop bags. So, Every, I was running with him for at least eight hours, maybe nine hours. Every single time that this guy got to the next aid station, he just opened up his backpack, or not an aid station, sorry, I should say. Every time that he got to a drop bag, I think there were two drop bags, he drank a beer. And the first aid stations that I saw him at, um, his girlfriend met him, or he ordered himself a beer. So... Uh, the first couple aid stations that I went to him with were at these restaurants that were along the way. It was just like a little, you know, street and there was a restaurant nearby and he just drank a beer there. And then he went to the next one and his girlfriend was there and she gave him a beer. And then the last aid station that I made it to, uh, which actually I had already quit the race. I had to get picked up by the race director. When I got there, he was there already and he was drinking a beer. And so this guy had like four beers during this race. And I just thought that was so fucking impressive. And uh, yeah, that's all he had. So like I, I get to these aid stations or to the ones that had my backpacks waiting for me. And uh, I think I only actually, I don't think I got my second backpack because I don't think I made it to that aid station. I'm pretty sure that was the one that I got driven to. But anyway, um, yeah, I <laughs> I was just pretty much eating like a buffet every single time I got to an aid station. I had like all of these snacks and tacos and burritos and uh, these drinks that I really wanted. And I was just like a little kid. I think I was more excited about the food than I was continuing to race, but it was still a lot of fun. And you know, it's just like the little things that, that really excited me during these races, because you really need something that will make you motivated. Sometimes it's your willpower by itself is just not enough. So it, it really does like put you into the survival uh, mindset where you're just trying to get to the next place. So that was, um, my races so far. And I think like going forward, what I really want out of my, my races in general is a general feeling that I prepared as much as I should have and that I feel ready. That's really all I want. 
And if I can have that, then I'll know that I put in the time and the energy and that I've left it out on the, uh, on the course. So with this race that's coming up in August, you know, I, I do have some, some initial concerns because I've never run a, I've never run a flat race anywhere near that distance. I've only run a marathon, um, that was on, on the road. And I actually did struggle pretty hard on the road portion of Lofoden. There were a few stretches where you had to run along this, like, like these winding streets and stuff on asphalt. And I tend to always look for dirt and mud and grass because it's easier on your joints. And I just find that it makes running more enjoyable. So yeah, we'll see. The reason that I signed up for it, um, honestly, is just that I felt I felt like I needed to get a race under my belt again, and it felt like it was a no-brainer that there was one in Berlin that was so challenging, and that I didn't have to like arrange airfare and hotels and stuff like that. So that's kind of like what led me to do it. Whether or not that's a good idea doesn't really matter. You know, the, the, the point of the race is for me, it's the point is not necessarily finishing the race. That's like what I want. But I think the point of the race, as I mentioned, is knowing that I did everything I could to prepare effectively and that when I show up on that day, I feel ready. That's the point of the race for me. And you just enjoy it. And, you know, people will say when I tell them about this, they'll be like, yeah, but how do you enjoy running for 30 hours? And the answer is you don't actually probably enjoy two hours, three hours of that entire run, but you have just like a lot of these moments that are, that are really memorable. And my philosophy on life is that I want to know that I lived and that I did the things that I consciously decided to do. And I didn't just, you know, go through the same motions as everyone else. If I know that I have a very limited time on this earth, I'm going to make the time that I have count. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to actually do something with the time. And for me, doing something extreme, like like running or, yeah, like starting your own thing, starting your own business, moving countries, those are the things that in my mind I'll never forget. I'll never regret. I'll never forget. I'll never, I guess I'll, I'll always be grateful that I took a chance, even if it doesn't work out the way I wanted to, because taking chances, it's exciting. And the one thing that I've, I've learned about myself over the past 10 years or so. So since I was around 19, maybe even younger, maybe when I was taking Mandarin uh, when I was like 14, is that people either don't recognize opportunities when they, when they come across them or they're afraid to say yes to something. And I've just never been afraid to say yes to something. I've always just been very adventurous and always wanted to see new things and go to new places, meet different people, and I don't see it as like uh, something that would ever, that I would ever say no to. So that's all I want out of my life. And uh, I'm really excited to try to, you know, <laughs> really excited to try to finish this race in August, see what it's all about, um, get some other races under my belt and meet some more interesting people in Berlin and try to have more of a running community. It's crazy because I started running uh I think I started running like longer distances in January of 2021. And during that time I was going through a lot, you know, I was experiencing a lot of emotion. And that's the thing about me is like, I think I've become addicted to certain negative emotions. Like one of the emotions that I became addicted to, and I'm probably still kind of addicted to it, is that feeling of having your heart broken 
and not necessarily like someone else breaking your heart, but you know when you end a relationship, if you love that other person, if you love the person that you're dating, sorry, not if you love that other person, sounded like you're cheating. When you're in a relationship, if you love your girlfriend or you love your boyfriend or whatever, and you end the relationship, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Like, it, it's rarely easy. It's rarely easy. I think if you don't care about the other person at all, then it's fine. But, you know, you might think that it's not a big deal. But, like, I got addicted to that feeling of being single again and having to experience all of the ups and downs that come with it. Because you have these, like, mood swings where... In the beginning, it's so it's so it's so exciting, you know. You're like, oh my god, I missed being single and feeling this way, and you know, I can make my own decisions. And I remember the first night I slept in my bed after being single, and I just laid there and was just so happy because I thought I never have to share this bed again. <laughs> and I know it sounds so petty, but it's nice to be single. It really is. It's like a really nice feeling. And I try not to waste being single on distracting myself. And I'm not the best at it. I distract myself a lot, but you learn a lot of lessons when you're by yourself, especially when you've just gotten out of a relationship. And it's important that you learn how to live with yourself. And so because I became addicted to these feelings, I had this kind of pattern that existed and it still exists. I'm still very, very conscious of it, but I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm understanding it more. Um, the pattern would be uh, the relationship ends. I feel really excited, really hopeful. I pretty much like I either go on a couple of dates like within like the first month of of being single just so I can kind of get back out there and then I completely shut down again uh romantically so that's what happened after my last breakup I went on a couple of dates I shut down romantically again and I went back into pretty much into like hibernation single mode stayed in that mode for six months (laughs) did not go on many dates I think I went on one date or two dates with the same person and then yeah, I started dating again and started going back out there again. And I also noticed that, you know, there were periods where like, you know, it's like you find out that your ex is with someone else. It's never a nice feeling, but it's essential to go through those down, those down periods because life is going to move on. Um, and you're going to move on and you cannot expect that the other person is not going to try to find someone that makes them happy. And there was this really important moment for me where my ex had told me that she found somebody else and it sucked. It really sucked. It it actually hurt a lot, um, to hear those words, but I was I also told her, you know, I'm happy that you found somebody. And I I didn't feel happy at the time, but I wasn't angry about it or any, I wasn't angry at her about it. I was angry at the situation. I was angry that we couldn't make it work and that, you know, it resulted in her finding somebody else and, you know, us breaking up altogether. But I will say the critical moment for me was when I asked, okay, she found somebody else what what would be the ideal scenario right now? If you could have anything right now, what would you want? So I asked myself, would, would I want to be in a relationship with her again? And immediately rejected that. I said, no, definitely not. So then my next question was, well, would I want her to be unhappy? And I rejected that as well. I said, no, I would not want her to be unhappy. That would be unfair and I have nothing but love for her as a person. She's a good person and she deserves to be happy. So then I thought, okay, so then what do I want? I clearly don't want her to be in a relationship with somebody else, but 
I don't want her to be unhappy. And so if her being in a relationship with somebody else makes her happy, then that's what's best for her. And that's what I hope, I hope she finds happiness in that relationship. Um, and so after that happened, I noticed, like after I found out, because she told me, I noticed like a bunch of negative emotions returning to me. And with those emotions has always come this drive and I didn't have to, luckily I didn't have to rely on it when I started um, running ultra marathons last year. And when I started training um, a few months before that, I didn't have to rely on that negative emotion because I didn't have that negative emotion. I got into ultra marathon running because I wanted to try something new and because I became inspired by some of the podcasts that I listened to and some of the YouTube videos. And because I had running and I had exercise in general, I just felt like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm going to move through this. And that's kind of what I did. I would say like, it's been about two months now, maybe a month and a half since I found out that she has a new boyfriend and immediately just felt like I don't know. I just felt like I was myself again and becoming aware of your patterns is such a liberating feeling because it's almost like you're able to make sense out of madness. Like you're almost putting chaos into order. You're like, you're anticipating these feelings and when they come, you're not surprised because you're like, I've been here. I know what this is like. And I know, I know how I go through this and I know what's on the other side. It's like when you're sitting with your emotion, but this is a much longer term thing. And so, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just like excited for the, the next chapter of my life, which is just continuing to learn about myself and find out what it is that really motivates me and really drives me. And more than anything, I think it's about switching fuel sources because negative emotions are not bad, right? People always say that boredom and loneliness and um, sadness and anguish and grief, that they're bad things, but they're really just like, signals i would say more than anything else and kind of prompts in a way that get you to behave in a certain way and kind of teach you they're kind of like um they're kind of like flares you know when somebody shoots a road flare so that uh emergency services know where they are like that big yet that big orange flare that gets shot into the sky that's kind of what um, emotions are like, you know, you can, you can tell a lot about what you like and what you don't like based on the emotions that you're presented with. And if you don't distract yourself immediately from those emotions and you actually try to understand what emotion you're feeling and you label it, and then you try to explain why you're feeling it, it'll teach you a lot about yourself. You can use that really to guide yourself, um, to safety. And so for me, I, I'm just trying to figure out more about myself. Like, what do I really care about? What do I, what do I want out of my life? You know, what's the next stage of my life? Um, do I want a relationship? Do I want kids? Do I want to be a 65 year old silver fox who has still a full set of hair and, 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 and a nice like salt and pepper beard who all of the younger guys at the social gathering look at and say, damn, I hope I'm like that when I'm 65. Or conversely, you know, you have the 30-year-old guy who has a kid and has a, uh, has like a beautiful family, and he looks at that silver fox and goes, I bet that guy is unhappy because he doesn't have a family. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I just want to figure out what it is that I want, you know, because there's no right way. Um, to live your life. I mean, there's no right way to, like whatever decisions you make, they have to be your own and you have to do it because it feels right to you. But um, 
you know, I've, I still haven't really discovered exactly what it is that I want yet. And it takes, it, it can take some time, you know, so I'm trying not to, to rush it. And I've had some really weird dreams recently, which have made me wonder what's going on in my life. So one of the, one of the dreams that I had the other night, I met Joe Rogan and I told him about my podcast and he said that it was cool. And I was hoping that he would bring me on the show, but uh, I don't think he offered sadly in the dream. And then another night I was serving appetizers at the white house and Joe Biden saw that I was putting too much on people's plates. And he, he was like, come on, man, come on, man. Then he like took the tray away from me and I was invited to this as a guest in my dream and he made me serve appetizers and then he humiliated me. So in my dream last night, I was in a relationship with Shailene Woodley and it was pretty dope actually. I don't remember what we talked about, but it was a good feeling, you know? And so I don't know, my dreams have just been all over the place recently, Uh, but I like to think that I will eventually figure out what it is that I want from this world. And, uh, and I will, yeah, I'll be content. So sometimes you have to suffer, I think, to really figure out what it is that you want, because when you suffer, you know what it is that you don't want. And there are levels to suffering. What you realize very quickly, um, from running ultra marathons is that the body and the mind, they adapt very quickly to changing conditions. And so I think it's very easy for someone to think automatically that if you run ultra marathons that you have like tremendous resilience and grit, but the minute that you become comfortable again in your life, it's very easy to kind of like lose the lessons that you learn or to lose the memories or to lose the feelings that are attached to those memories. And I think that's a reason why some people that are, I don't know if this is true, I'm just making this up, but I I imagine, because I do know some people that left the military, that just because um, you were in the military for like 10 years or something, it, it doesn't mean that like you'll always stay in that mindset, you know, like you reintegrate into society and some soldiers have PTSD and they have lasting memories, but unless you're continuing to like push yourself every single day and continuing to exercise and, you know, holding yourself accountable and staying disciplined and all of that, I think it's pretty easy to go back to just like a default level of comfort where you're, you're just kind of enjoying life again. Maybe you're like in Key West drinking cocktails or whatever it is, you know? So you just have to continue to pretty much like punish yourself and, uh, and continue to like introduce tension into your life. Because if you don't, it just becomes pretty, um, easy to go back to being comfortable. So yeah, I don't know how this was supposed to end but hopefully I did justice to it. Um, the other night I was in a in an Uber on my way home from the club at 4.30 in the morning and I had a crazy, crazy night. I'm not going to go into the details here, but uh, it was a crazy night and there was a tremendous amount of alcohol involved and whatever. And just like dancing and, you know, listening to techno music. But at this one place in Berlin, it's a bar slash club. And a part of the bar has, you know, mainstream music. Um, One part has like mainstream music. Another part has 80s music. Another room has techno music. And another room just has like funky tunes. And I spent most of my night in the techno room. And man, I was, I I had a really good time, but I was like covered in sweat. It was like raining when I left at 4.30 in the morning. And I started listening to one of the episodes of my podcast because I was curious. It had been, you know, eight days or so, maybe seven days since I'd recorded an episode. I was like, what is this podcast about again? 
And the part of the episode I was listening to is like me giving a report on what was in my fridge. And that's when I knew that there was something special about this podcast. So that's when I, uh, that's when I decided I'm going to record another episode soon. I'm going to make myself um, proud so that the next time I go clubbing, I have something to listen to on the Uber ride home. And that is pretty much what I wanted to share with you guys for today. So I would be curious to know if you, uh, if you got anything of value out of this episode. And if you didn't, that is okay. Sometimes it's just nice to listen to stuff while you're cleaning, while you're driving, or while you're running ultra marathons. I will catch you guys in episode 26. Until then, stay healthy, stay sane, enjoy the sunshine. Peace.